Welcome to Conversations from the BRB, where we listen to ordinary people share their brave stories. We're so glad you joined us. Well, I'm so excited to welcome, uh, well, we call them Adj and Uj, but they're, they actually have real names. <laughs> Aunt Joan and Uncle Jerry. That's a whole nother, yeah, podcast probably that we can talk oh, about. Why that's you Adj and Uj. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to welcome you to um, our stories from the BRB podcast. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing about disability ministry. Um, Jerry and Joan have done disability ministry. Well, how long has it been? I don't even know. You're going to have to tell me. You know, I think we kind of lose count. I think close to 40 years each. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's a ton of time. So obviously you know what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, supposedly that's what they tell me. I am so very much looking forward to this because um, I think that this is a part of potentially a part of ministry in the church and ministry at large with um, the Christian community that maybe we don't hear a lot about or we don't know it even exists or even how we get involved with it. So I'm excited about you guys just telling me all kinds of things about disability ministry and what you love and what's challenging and everything. So um, I want to first have you introduce yourselves, kind of do a little bit of personal information, and then we'll jump into disability ministry. Okay. Um, I, uh, you already know my name. I'm Jerry. Um, yes. <laughs> I'm a disability minister, like you said, for about 40 years. The ministry that we're currently in is the third disability ministry that I founded, second one that Joan and I found it together. Wow. I was born with cerebral palsy, which in layman's terms, the part of my brain that controls my balance and coordination is damaged. In fact, when you look at an MRI, the part of the brain that does that appears to be missing from my brain. Um, it, it affects my it, it affects my my speech, um, my use of my arms and legs. I use a power wheelchair most days. Um, and golly, I've been privileged to, to do what I do all across the United States. And poked up, poked up into Canada a couple of times with the best thing I ever did other than deciding to follow Jesus was marrying this person. Oh, yay. Uh, how cool is it? How, how cool is it that you get to marry your best friend? It's the best. And cool as all the things I've been able to do in ministry. The only cooler thing is to look and see all the cool things God's doing through Jones. I'm going to talk about that for us. That's awesome. <laughs> Good. Well, thanks, hon. Um, you know, I probably wouldn't be here if it weren't for my parents. And they, back in the 60s and 70s. Wait, isn't that true for all Well, that's true for all of us. <laughs> There's a lot of truth in that statement. Okay. Right. Yeah, okay. I can see how this is going to go. <laughs> but no. I think disability ministry, I wouldn't be here. Uh, because back in the 60s and 70s when I was growing up, and disability ministry wasn't even a name that anybody thought or talked about. 
my mom and dad, and I, I wish now that I would have ever asked them why they got started. And they mm. never did, but mm. he did volunteer work teaching Sunday school at a state institution is what they were called then in New Jersey for people who then were called mentally retarded. Now we would think of it as intellectually um, disabled or, or intellectual challenges. And every Sunday they made a 45 minute drive one way, sometimes taking other people. I would stay at home and get ready for church and somebody else would pick me up for church. And then they'd meet us at church after they taught Sunday school. Um, and dad had this huge chapel with probably 150 young men. And mom had a little Sunday school class in the ladies dorm and probably had about 20 ladies who came to her class. And, um, they taught them about Jesus faithfully for years and years. And then every Christmas and most Easter's, we would have a couple students of theirs to come back from the facility to share the dinner with us at the house and in the day. And in the summer, sometimes mom and dad um, would invite them, probably more dad because he was the more outgoing of the two, but would invite essentially the whole group. So maybe 150, 200 kids who came to class or young adults. Wow. with their staff out to our house to do a picnic. And we had about a half acre property and it was crazy. This big bus would pour up, all these people pull up, all these people would pour out. And so I just grew up around people with disabilities and thinking it was just kind of no big deal. And right. we had a girl in our um, youth group who had some cognitive impairments. We had a cousin with Down syndrome. We just had a bunch of connections along the way. So I thought I was going to be an overseas missionary. And okay. when I graduated college, um, I decided to take a little bit easier job, I thought, and work in a group home for kids with disabilities. Okay. And that's a really tough so, job. So much easier. Yeah. Right? yeah. And over the years, God married my dream for church and uh, missions outreach, along with my passion for people with disabilities. And through working in that field, I met this guy. And as I say, the rest is history. I love it. We are so glad that you met that guy. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's more the birth member in the family and I'm the one who married him. <laughs> I've, I've thought that many times in my own. You know, I, I tell people, Jonah's so lucky. Not only does she get to work with me, she gets to we she gets me 24 hours a day. What a deal. <laughs> what a deal. <laughs> it's the best. I love it. it really and you guys still like each other. That's amazing. We do. Yeah. So good. It's so good. I love it. Yay. Um, so how long have you two been married? It'll be 26 years in November. That's right. 26 years in November. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I know. Very Seems cool. like a long time. I remember when we did mom and dad's 25th wedding anniversary party. Right. Past that. That's banana. That's wild. I love it. So tell me why. I mean, I feel like there's a little bit, especially you. Um, I guess I'm going to have to call you Joan and Jerry because everybody's going to be like, ah, Jenny, which I still love. <laughs> um, okay. So. Joan. Um, so you told us a little bit about why disability ministry, a little, you know, kind of that history of what sort of steered you in there, but why, I mean, and Jerry, same thing. Why maybe people think it's obvious in your situation. Like, well, I'm in a situation where I have some, um, disabilities, so I'm going to serve people with disabilities, but I don't think that's necessarily everybody's mindset, regardless of what situation yeah. you find You're yourself. You're right. right. It is right. not obvious. So I would love to know why. 
Why disability ministry? Why disability ministry? Well, I think for me in part, because I started working in group homes that were not faith-based, mm. I saw what a deplorable situation that was. It was just yeah. things that are illegal took place there just because it did. And I needed to get out of there. And I thought there has to be a better way. And we have to be able to do this in a right and proper way and with the love of God being our mm. So mm. I went to work in a Christian group home. And from that, I realized that we were doing great care in the home, but these guys didn't have a lot of contact outside the home. They went to their workshop and kind of that was it. And um, they were going to a church and it was kind of like they went to a Sunday school room way up in the upper corner, separated from everybody else and kind of were tolerated to come into the service, the last part of the service, or, or I mean, during the service and sit in the back row of the sanctuary. And then um, we left right away again, really weren't incorporated into the body life of the church. Mm -hmm. Yes. From that, I just saw there had to be, had to be more. Right. In fact, I, this, I know this man has changed his mind now because he's with the Lord, but the, but the senior pastor of that church, when I went to talk to him about, could we do more? Could we expand the disability outreach there? He said to me, well, you know, this Sunday school class runs us in the red. It costs us more to run this class than what these people give. In mm. And it was all I could do not to jump across the desk and wring his neck. But um, over time, I, he did change his mind some. And I remember after we did the funeral service of one of the ladies in our group homes, he and his wife came up and said, the Queen of England could not have been more honored by a service there. I, we never knew that she was this well-rounded of a person, the person who died. Mm. Um, so it was just a, doors just have to be open. People don't understand it, in part because we're afraid. Right. We, we know disability is not contagious, but you, you still kind of think, is this going to happen if we get nearby or, you know, whatever. So okay. Yeah, I get that. I mean... To a degree. Yeah, I understand that's people's motivation. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. For, for me, going into disability ministry started with wanting to be a major league baseball player. I try to make this short. Uh, your listeners can't see me sitting in my power wheelchair, but let me assure you that me becoming a major league baseball player was never going to happen. However, I really love baseball and I, you know, was involved in Little League teams and stuff. And then in high school, I started coaching Little League baseball. And for for like a year and a half, my teams never won a game. Oh. And then the next year, we won the championship. So wow. I, I really liked working with the kids. Kind of thought it's still a long shot to become a baseball coach. I'm going to go to Bible college to become a youth pastor. Okay. When I got to Bible college, I found that there weren't a lot of churches open to hiring a guy in a wheelchair as a youth, as a youth minister. So hmm. I decided that what I should do is help the church reach out to people with disabilities and I started the ministry where I went to different Christian camps in the summer and talked about what it was like to be disabled and how they can become friends, how they can share Jesus with people, their friends with disabilities, and started doing that and moved around to different ministries and ended up now doing Luke 14 Exchange, where one of my primary ministry goals is how people with disabilities 
understand how God has wired them and then help them use that information to either find or build an opportunity to use those gifts. But it all started with a very unrealistic dream Hmm. that God kind of smiled at and used to take me where I am today. Right. That's fascinating. I feel like I'm like, I need to, I need to talk to you guys more. (laughs) I'm learning stuff. This is fun. And you can edit this out, but we recently, Jerry recently read a study. We wish we'd saved where it was, but kids with disabilities are rarely ever asked, what do they want to be when they grow up? As opposed to your kids probably have been asked 10 zillion times, what do they want to be when they grow up? So I would just encourage you and your listeners. One of the things you do is when you meet a kid with a disability, Ask them, let them dream. Don't tell them it's unrealistic because you never know where it's going to spin out to. But but let a kid with a disability know they have a a future and a hope. Yeah. Uh, Edie Stanley, who is a pastor and leadership uh, mentor, has a phrase he uses, don't say how, say wow. I mean, so when when your child with a disability says, I want to be a major league baseball player, you're already thinking of 10 million reasons why that's never going to happen. Right. But don't say how first, say wow, because God may use that seed to do something completely different. And one of my favorite things to do with people with disabilities is ask them what they want to do because it reminds them that God wants us to dream. Yeah. He wants us to give those dreams to him, but he wants us to dream big. Right. Yeah. That's so, I love that so much. I love it. Cool. I, and I didn't think about that. Like Joan talking about, yeah, I guess that's not a thing. I mean, subconsciously perhaps where you think I'm not going to ask a child who I'm very aware potentially will not do whatever it is that right. they think they want to do. Um, but that's a lot of kids. <laughs> I mean, I'm not doing what I first said I wanted to oh, do. Oh, heavenly days. Where? Woo. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but that's fine. It's okay. Um, so I would love to know, uh, what disability look, what ministry looks like for you guys. What, like, what does it look like in the past? What does it look like now? Nuts and bolts of disability ministry or a bird's eye view or however you want to dig into that. I want to know what you do with that. Sure. I'm trying to think of a a short answer. Well, I think it's not even the, the short answer is it depends. Okay. Because it depends upon who you're ministering to or with. I mean, I I don't think there's an ABCD formula for starting ministry at your church. There's not an ABCD formula for ministering to your friend with a disability across the street. It starts with a relationship. We we talk we talk a lot about joining the persons with the disabilities journey before we bring them into our journey. Um, it, it it's the relationship. It's seeing constantly trying to see the person as a person 
and not the disability that a lot of cases just is out there blaring at you. Mm. That um, is so important. I'm so glad you said that too. That I, you got, like I said, maybe talk to you more. We <laughs> uh, talk to you more because you're a great encourager for us. That's right. This is good yeah. stuff. Right. Jerry has mentioned that the name of our ministry is Luke 14 Exchange. And for me, disability ministry means what that passage says that's the parable of the great banquet. And people are invited, they say mm. they're going to come. Then when it's actually time for the banquet, they all start making excuses and they don't come. And so the guy who was hosting the banquet's like, I have all this food. I got to do something with it. And he tells his servants, go out into the highways and byways and compel so, or make the crippled, the lame, the blind. Mm. And while we wouldn't necessarily use those terms, I'm, I'm quoting from the scripture, crippled, lame, blind. You know, we, yes. we, we right. have different terms today. But still, God is saying, and make my house full. Make them come in. So God is telling us, he wants people with every kind of background, um, need, whatever, to be part of his family. So disability ministry to me is what can we do to compel people with disabilities? We need to make it look so attractive and beautiful, which really the body of Christ, when you get down to it, is. But we get caught up in so much of the stuff of humanness that it gets messy. Yeah. But, but how do we make them want to be a part of the church? Right. And or a part of the body of Christ, even if mm. they don't be the building right then. Okay. I remember a conversation with a person with disability who was developing a relationship with, and he said, so why would I go to church so I can go to church and get stared at and ignored just like I am outside the church mm. the other week? And I remember as a young minister thinking, there's no good answer for that. You know, we need to make the church more attractive. Yes. I don't say that we water down the message or that we we change anything other than we need to make our buildings and our attitudes open to people that are different than us. Yes. Agreed. I love that. And one thing I will add on to that, which I love, because truth in lending, I did not grow up with around people that had mm-hmm. disabilities. Um, I mean, just not, certainly not in my personal world. Yeah. Yeah. And I just love the fact that my kids don't even like, there's, they don't even see, I don't think the fact that you're in a wheelchair, like, it's kind of like, I love the fact that they're growing up in a military community. Cause I don't think they even see anybody's different race or color or like, it's like, whatever, you're my friend. I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you roll around in a wheelchair. Like it just, it's the most beautiful thing to me that they don't even see it. You're like, well, you're my friend. I agree. They, they see the wheelchair, but they see it as a ride in the amusement park. Right. One of the things when, when I'm in your house, I'm doing circles in the living room with, with sometimes three, sometimes four. Yeah. Hanging off of it. And I love it. <laughs> that is true. I shouldn't say they don't see it, but it's yeah. not awkward. Maybe that's a better way of saying that. You know, it's like, what I like about kids, if you look at the office, you would see a couple of diplomas and a couple of certificates. And I, I, I tend to gravitate for doing something more than I can stick on a wall. 
or they can trust impress somebody with. Right. Your kids and kids in general aren't impressed by any of that. I'm just urging we're just here to give me rides and have fun and that's that's more fulfilling than any of the paper I stick on my wall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I agree. I mean, that's yeah. really cool. I love that. Um good. Okay, good. So, um, obviously, in any ministry scenario or anytime you're loving people, anytime of, yeah, anytime you're loving people, there are challenges that come along with that. So, what are maybe some specific challenges that you have faced in disability ministry, um, either with other people who are ministering along with you or people that you're ministering to or just in your own, own struggles? Tell me some of those. I, I think some of it is that for centuries, the church, and I mean the big C church, hasn't really been that open to having people with disabilities. That's changed a lot in the last probably 20, 25 years, I'd say. Yeah. It's really started to open up a ton more. But for so long, the church hasn't welcomed people mm-hmm. because either they're too noisy or we're going to have to redo our entrances and our doors. And we're going to have to do this in the restrooms or whatever. Um, that it's hard for people with disabilities and their family members to realize that they really are welcome when somebody tells them. So it can take a, oh quite a while to build that bridge for some people. Um, I think one of the other I don't know if you use the word barriers, but kind of one of the challenges and barriers is for those of us who aren't disabled. Yes, we need to realize and understand that people with disabilities are also sinners. They're not just the holy little angel who's just what, so what, precious. What? what, what? Yeah. Oh, people man. with disabilities. Well, <laughs> everyone but Jerry. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> but Jerry. Obviously. Yeah. And so we really... I know better. How are they going to know that they can have forgiveness mm-hmm. unless we tell them? And so we have to kind of get past our attitude of, I don't want to say anything that might hurt that person. Mm-hmm. It's not that we want to hurt them. I don't want you to get past that attitude. But you need to. We need to accept them as real people. Yes. Who have the same issues that I have and right. are in need of the savior. I love that. There are people out there that believe that I'm always happy, always smiling, don't really have any problems. I've always, I've always got the joy of the Lord, and it's like, really. Have they spent more than five minutes with me? <laughs> um, well, but you still have me fooled, Sherry. You still have me fooled. <laughs> it's fine. I'll just live in my little world. It's fine. Oh, oh dear child. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's not true. It's fine. I understand. Um, where was it going? Yes, I interrupted you. Oh, it's fine. And it's, I remember one time in Bible College going into a French room and just really venting about something and I went back to my room and he came back a few minutes later and thanked me for doing that because he said at that point you became real to me that mm. you were more like me than I understood because he actually thought always smiling, always happy and he realized no I'm somebody pretty much just like him who has a lot of good days and an occasional really bad one. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think sometimes it's hard for people to see people just what is real, especially 
when I do a lot of speaking in churches and for 20 minutes or 45 minutes on a stage, I can be all, all that to encourage them. And they look at that 20 to 45 minute stretch as a picture of my entire life. And, mm. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Right. Just yeah. like the chords, is always this upbeat and encouraging. And oh, yeah. Right. I do a podcast. No struggles. That's right. That's right. Well, you're going to have to listen to another podcast when it's just me and I'm telling about how real life is. (laughs) I look forward to that. (laughs) Okay. Um, So we talked about challenges. Now I want favorite parts. What are your favorite parts of disability ministry? If you have maybe a story, I don't know. Um, Favorite parts of disability ministry in your specific uh, realm, whether it's happened 20 years ago or it happened yesterday. Tell me. One of my favorites is just for some people. And let me just say, every person with a disability is as different as every person without a disability. So there are some overarching blanket statements we can make, but just remember that everybody's unique individual. So it's it's not the same. But um, when I was living in a group home with adults with with cognitive impairments, I um, was helping one of the ladies cook dinner. And as I was pouring grease out of the pan, I slipped and the grease was going to splatter. And um, I jumped back and I did not get burned. And I, I thought to myself, and I think I might've even said out loud, kind of smugly, like, that was smooth, Joan. You saved yourself from getting burned. And either as I said that or thought that, uh, the gal who was cooking with me looked and said, thank you, Jesus, Joan no burned. And it struck me that there was my pride, once again, saying how great I did. And she understood the reality of it. It had nothing to do with me. It had all to do with God. And so I love love the blessing of just hearing the honest truth. Um, A lot of my friends with disabilities don't sugarcoat things. They don't feel like they need to. Nobody ever told them they should. And so I love hearing truth expressed through them. Yes, yes. Um, for, for me, uh, let me set this up with, I've spent probably 18 months of my life in camp during the summer. So I, I, a lot of my memories are from either either working as a speaker in somebody else's disability ministry camp or one that I directed. And one of my favorite stories involves a family who a single mom who kind of rough year, they'd moved three or four times throughout the year, and you know, and that's really hard for I think it's just her son with autism having to make change like that all the time. And she tells the story of driving up the road to the retreat center for another week of of family camp for people with disabilities, and the son saying. Doesn't it feel good to be home? So, you know, here's here's a kid who usually struggles with structure, who sees that one week out of the year as home. And my second favorite one is a lot of people at the camps we serve, and that's not because we serve there, talk about that week of camp as a slice of heaven. Because it's a picture of everybody's accepted as they are. Nobody's put out by the effects of disability um, for the most part. And 
that's a slice of cotton where we're going to be in just the way God wants us to be. We're going to be known. We're going to be accepted. And the price of admission to that we can keep is disability, which most of us with disabilities, even to the degree we've overcome our disability, would never wish it on our worst enemy. Yes. So the hardest thing in the world is the price for a picture of what heaven's going to look like. Mm. Mm. Amazing. God is good. <laughs> I want to kind of just backtrack a smidge and then before answering another part of that question. Please. When we talk about disability ministry, so far we've primarily talked about the individual with a disability, and that is yeah. huge and critical. Okay. But the other part of disability ministry that a lot of people miss is all the family members. Yes. If you were to look at they want to grow their church, their congregation, their body. They need to look at people with disabilities because not only when you invite Jerry to your church, you're going to get Jerry, you're going to get me. Or if we were closer living to you guys, we might get you and, and your family to come along too. You know? But there's usually always some kind of family um, around that person with a disability, whether it's parents, siblings, whatever. And yeah. so, and those people often either they get all the focus because somebody doesn't want to look at the person with a disability, but more often people don't even see them or mm -hmm. think about them, mm -hmm. and especially siblings. They're often, they can be considered glass children, not because they're so fragile, but because everybody just doesn't even see them, Look, just looks right through them and sees the person with a disability. So, so siblings of people with disabilities, they need us as a church to come around. They need, youth group to invite them in. They need families who are going to the amusement park or to the beach that week or just to a baseball game for the evening to say, why don't you come with me? Because that sibling never gets to go because parents are so involved with the, the other sibling. Yeah. Or the, the spouses and the parents of kids with disabilities, they rarely, if ever, get breaks. And the divorce rate is super high. Mm. We had a mom once, we heard a mom say, the best part about my divorce is that I get respite now every other weekend because mm -hmm. her child went to dad on every other weekend and stayed with her. And it was the first break she got, but they had to divorce to get that. Mm -hmm. And so how can we as a church come along and encourage those family members? That's as much disability ministry as it is to the person with the disability. And let me, let me just add that if you really want to do disability ministry, ministry to parents might be one of the best things you can do to minister to the person with disability because there, there are so many fractured homes mm -hmm. among families with disabilities and that just makes a difficult situation even worse. Yes. So, while I think it's great that people minister to me, minister to my wife yes. is even yes. better in my mind. Yeah. Oh, I'm so, oh, that's so another whatever. I love this so much because that's such a good, that's good to remember that it's not just, yeah. it's not just the person who has the, I mean, that is, I shouldn't say just, that's a weird word when it comes to the situation, but yeah. yes, there's a whole family, there's siblings, there's, I've even, well, not that it's necessarily the same thing, but everybody knows that we adopted from China. And so when we brought Evan and Poppy home, the more I'm realizing um, especially at the first year they were home. I, I was like, do I have four other children? Because I'm spending literally all my time working with 
the two I just brought home. And mm-hmm. not that it's necessarily the same because disability continues on and on. But, it's a lack of it's but okay. there was some very yeah. big similarities there. And that gave me a picture of, wow, if you are heavily involved with a child that has significant medical issues or has cognitive delays that are very intense, yeah, then your other kids kind of get left by the wayside, not because you want them to be left by the wayside or not that you want your marriage to be, you know, put to the side, but you're so exhausted with this one kid that you, you just can't even process everything else. Yep. Yeah. And so. I like how you talk about the intensity of that child, because that is often true with a person with a disability. It's not true with every person with a disability, but often um, the, the care needs, whether it's the physical care needs or the emotional moral care needs, can be really intense. And so I think it's really hard for people in the church or the Christian community who have no experience to go, well, how on earth could I ever help them? I have no idea what to do when that person tantrums. I can't understand their language. I yes. can't, you know, and, and I get that. It feels totally overwhelming. Yes. So probably what you could do is come alongside that mom and just say, can I ride with you to the next doctor's appointment? Yes. You know, just hang, that mom's probably not had a friend to talk to for a long time. Just hang out with her, be a support to her. And, um, you know, then over time, maybe you'll learn some of the care routine. You can say, I can at least take him for 10 minutes while you go get a cup of coffee. It doesn't have to be, you're going to take him for a week of respite. You know, you're going to do something, but it can build in very, very small incremental doses just by building a relationship with people and seeing that. So yeah, some of it's just, just be present in their life. Mm. And the truth is we're probably people with disabilities. We're probably not going to break. If you stay with us for 20 minutes while our parents or spouses are out doing something. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, but it feels like, like I remember back in the early eighties when, when they, when, People with disabilities made a major push to get access to traveling on airplanes. Mm. And some of the early regulations were were laughable, where you know you had to travel with a nurse. There there would have to be an ambulance waiting at the plane. What? And, you know, it's like and, it took several months for people with disabilities to explain, yeah, we have a disability. Yeah, we see doctors more, more often than you do, but we don't need a nurse. And you don't have to have a fleet of ambulances. Oh, my word. Of course, when we get off the plane. <laughs> but, but that is still kind of the perception that, you know, if I touch them, will I hurt them? Or if I don't understand their language, you know, yeah. Right. Yeah. The first step might be to step back and take a breath and say, okay, Lord, help me figure this out. Yes. Yes. And I think, you know, it speaks to the idea of, um, you know, just Christians in general being willing to get uncomfortable because initially it might be uncomfortable. Like it might be like, I don't know how to do this. And, you know, anything you step out and do is going to be uncomfortable, but I'm just going to kind of do a little soapbox moment here, but I feel like if we're following Christ, uh, he didn't call us to just wander around being comfortable. That's just not how it is. And so we need to work on, okay, I'm just going to step out of my comfort zone and hang out with this family that has a child with 
fill in the blank struggle or disability Mm -hmm. issue, or I'm going to go, like you said, Joan, just, (laughs) just sit with that baby for 10 minutes or whatever, so she can get a cup of coffee. Um, because that's real, but, and it doesn't feel very, you know, it doesn't feel very flashy or am I really doing something or, you know, but it's something huge to take a, you know, as a mother, take a break. So I love that you mentioned all that. That's so good. Hey, preach on sister. You do it well. (laughs) (laughs) Don't get me started. Don't get me started. You're so right. It it, it is such the little things. We knew somebody um, in another state who they always talked about the best ministry that ever happened to them was one of the guy who was in the wheelchair, he was an adult spinal cord injury. He had a cousin, like I think a few levels removed, you know, they weren't like best of friends, but wanted to do something for him. So that cousin came over every Saturday night and cleaned off the guy's wheelchair so that when he went to church Sunday, it didn't have dust. It wasn't, you know, it just looked nice because that's part of your self-image too. The wheelchair is part of your body. And I can't tell you how many times it takes me like, your little chair looks so awful. I got to sit here and clean it off before we go someplace. But it's a little thing like that's disability ministry, going to dust somebody's wheelchair or or polish their shoes or whatever it is that needs to be done so that they feel good about going out in public too. I've actually had guys, not so much now with COVID, we need to figure it out, but I've had guys who who have said, you know, let Joan go for a long weekend. We'll help you get up and we'll help you go to bed. And, you know, those two things take me about three hours a day. Yeah. I've I've got friends who volunteer to come in so that Joan can get a break. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I think it speaks to, I'll say this out for my own self. It speaks to our pride because it, nobody knows unless you tell them that you're helping so-and-so with a disability, whatever. I, mm-hmm. d- does that make sense to you? Like yeah. it's not flashy and nobody knows and you're doing it for the Lord and that's what you're doing, you know, obviously for that yeah. person, but it's got to have a motivation of, I love Jesus and I love this person. And that's why I'm doing this. And it's not because somebody's going to clap me on the back and tell me what an amazing person I am. Yeah. So Anyway, there's just, that's another piece of the puzzle that mm-hmm. we're, we're not called to necessarily. Yeah. Some people have to do the, the big flashy stuff or want to or whatever, but there's a lot of not flashy stuff that is also 100% real ministry. <laughs> so I love that. Um, so let's see here. Um, I want to know, so for our listeners who are curious about, um, their, their interest is peaked. Maybe they've never heard of disability ministry. Maybe they don't know anyone with a disability. Maybe they do. And they're like, I, you know, we did just give them a couple of ideas of how they can kind of hang in there with somebody who is, you know, in a family with disability. But for our listeners who are like, Hey, I don't, I don't know what to do or where to start. What would you tell them? I would start with prayer and ask God to open your eyes and then seriously, when you're out driving around, open your eyes. It is amazing as I pray more for that, how many times I'll drive someplace and see, there's a ramp at that house. They must have somebody use a wheelchair or there's a handicapped parking spot or there's what's known as the special needs bus for the, the, sh- term, you know, the short, short bus. bus. Yeah. The short bus. Um, you know, okay, right. so somebody there must have, you know, some kind of disability. Then. So just to kind of start opening and praying for those people in those homes. 
as I drive by, even if I never get to meet them. Yeah. But that begins to open my eyes and my heart and my awareness to it. And then even when I'm in the grocery store, look for, you know, somebody and even just start by saying hi, look them in the eyes and mm. say hello. Yes. Because so many people look the other way or pull mm. their kids down the other end of the aisle so they don't say something obnoxious. So really, if you don't know anybody, it's really okay. That's not a problem that you don't know somebody, but just ask God to open your heart in your mind and to start to see people and then ask him to show you who you, who he'd have you invest a little time getting to know. And, and, and you might know people with disabilities that you haven't really thought of for people with disabilities. If yeah. you have a chronic illness, that's a disability. Mm. You're dealing with cancer or anything that's life-threatening, you probably, you may become disabled. Yes. You know, so, so you probably know more than you think. And if you... Right. Really, just start thinking about it. There is a neighbor who passes down, or there is, and you know, as far as starting a church program, you start with this is back in the days when there were attendance cards. But we would say, pull up, pull up one of your attendance cards, and on the back, write down the people you know with disabilities. And I've had pastors say, We don't really know anybody, but in the offering plate or wherever they turn in those cards, they realize, no, there's like five or six or 12 or more people right in our congregation. And you start with the people closest to you and build out to the community. Yes. Good. Okay. And then think through what is it that you are gifted in or like to do? Are you this person who just loves to cook and make meals and do that? Then, you know, make a couple extra meals, stick them in your freezer and drop them by somebody's house. And you don't have to say, I think I'd need, you can say, you know, I had some extra food when I made food. Wondered if you might be able to use this to get, stick it into the freezer. So when they come home late from a doctor's appointment and they yeah. can keep it, that's incredible. Or do you, yeah. we have friends who love to house clean. Now, you know, from being at my house, Courtney, that's not me, but you know, I did, yeah. could you yeah. go over to somebody and say, now your first introduction to them isn't to say, can I come clean your house? I mean, but, <laughs> as you build, but as you build rapport with them, you know, it's like one of the things I just love to do, would this be helpful for you if I could come over, you know, even once a month and just give your house a little bit of a cleaning, would that help you out? Or think about what you love to do and then use what you're really good at to help somebody else. Yeah. The one thing is that's not very helpful is to say, whenever you have a need, just let us know. I love that you said that, Jerry. Yeah. And, and it's like that, you know, if you ever have a need, let us know. It's like, well, I would if I knew your name or or you. It's not like six months till I see you again. Yeah. You know, and when people say that or ask that, they're probably genuine about that. But yeah. it's like, yeah, I, I, you know, when I look at the world of just my world of disability, I think I'm vastly between, no, I don't really have needs. Yes. To the other end, every breath I take is a need. So mm. how do I pick which one? <laughs> mm. Mm. So, yeah. like, if you are my next door neighbor and you've seen and you've offered a couple of things, then maybe if you need anything else, let me know. Maybe I can help. Yes. But don't, don't leave with that. And think outside the box. 
the story just came back to my mind that when we probably we were in our first few years of marriage, we were at a church in Northern California where we attended. And, um, you know, the area where we lived, it was the Sonoma Valley. So there was a lot of hills and valleys and stuff. And um, one of the elders from church and his wife said they wanted to have us over oh, for dinner. But their house had 14 steps to get in. Now, if it's two or three steps, we have ramps we can get in. 14 steps, that's kind yeah. of not ramp. A whole nother, no. Yeah. yeah. And Let's I, ski slope. And, but they said, would it, would it bother you guys if we ate in our garage? And it's like, like no. no, we'd love it. You know, Perfect. Us over and that. so we went to their house on the appointed time we're, thinking we were going to drive in and see a card table yeah. and a picnic bench and a couple folding chairs sat around it and some dinner. No, we drove up to a completely cleaned out garage. They had carried their dining room table and chairs mm. down into the garage and we ate like we were sitting in their dining room, which we were, their dining room garage for that night with us. And that's been more than 20 years ago. And that just still sticks out. Yeah. So real that they just thought outside the box and said, we're not going to let 14 steps keep us from getting to know these people. Oh, my oh. word. That's so wonderful. Nice amount of okay. And we'd have been happy with the card table. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Well, okay, disclaimer, you don't have to go to that way. Yeah. <laughs> but it really spoke. Richard really loves us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I thought his name was Larry, but whoever it was. Loved <laughs> <him>. <laughs> okay, right. Lord, whoever it was, bless them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. So much. That's so good. Just uh, realizing that it's. Yes, go out of your comfort zone and make them make people feel special and bend bend what you um you know what you would normally do to all right, here we are in our garage and that's how we're going to do this. I love that so much. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it stuck with you. I think that's another mm-hmm. thing that maybe we think this doesn't matter that much or why would I bother or whatever. But it sticks with people like people. I'm not sure I might have been Maya Angelou who said, you know, people don't remember like what you said so much as they remember how you made them feel. And that's true. That is 100% true. Yeah. So, yeah, that'll stick with you. And the great thing, I mean, in some ways, I think it's the coolest thing. You actually don't even remember his name because like that's just a uh, glory to God for what he, you know, the servant yeah. heart that he had. But anyway, this is yeah, I mean, yeah, to point. this day, yeah, to this day, you still remember. I know, yeah, of the suite of furniture <laughs> in the garage. Yeah, <laughs> so great. But I also am glad that you mentioned it doesn't necessarily have to be you know, drag your dining room table and all the things. I mean, in our situation, sadly, I would be like, well, here's our pull-out table that just came from the garage because that's all that I had energy for. (laughs) That's awesome. You know, for us, it's not about the setting of the people. Of course. Yes. And stages of life. I mean, maybe they had a little more extra time, whatever. They could make that work. And sometimes, you know, when you have six kids and all the things happening, you're like, it's a good thing we got the table out here (laughs) because that's all I could manage. But I'm glad you're here. (laughs) So anyway, season of life. That's another thing. But probably another podcast. Yeah. Um. 
So if you had one thing that you, you know, each of you had one thing that you wanted people to remember um, from our conversation and um, something to take home with them, do you have sort of one thing or a couple things that you would really like people to remember about about what you do and how to love people and their families with um, disabilities? People with disabilities, regardless of our disability, are more like you than different than you. It may not feel like it. Um, that's number one. And number two is God's grace covers a lot of mistakes when it comes to to figuring out how you want to relate to somebody with disability. Yeah. You know, you're, me, you're, you're going to do it wrong. You're going to yeah. say the wrong word. You're going to forget something. You're going to not think of something. But that's true in youth ministry and missions and yeah. every other every other group within the church. You know, can I have a third? Um, you don't need a degree in special education mm. to minister to someone with a disability. You just mm. have to be willing to love whomever God puts in your path because sooner or later, he's going to put a person with a disability in your path. Yes. Yes. And I'll stop it for you. I mean, it's fine. <laughs> I just gave you some number. It's fine. Yeah. I, mean, I knew I should have answered first because you took mine too. You're <laughs> <laughs> but it's so important that I'm going to say it again, is that remember that people with disabilities are more like us than they are different. Yes. And if you're having trouble really cementing that or when you meet somebody, ask them what their favorite ice cream is. You know, and as you talk through, you might figure out, oh, we both like chocolate. Or do they love to watch sports? Do they hate math class? Are they struggling to make enough money? Find something that is what's a, something you're struggling with or you love to do mm-hmm. and until you ask the questions and find out. And it's like, oh, there's a bridge I can build with Jerry because he loves baseball and so do I. Or, yeah, but I hear, you know, but whatever. Um, so, yeah, look for those. Your ways are the same. And then don't feel like you have to do it all. This is more for a church, maybe outreach or somebody without a disability. Don't feel like you have to do it all. Just do one thing. It can be overwhelming to think. Mm. We've got to make our church physically accessible. We have to make a restroom that families can help their kids in. We need to be able to have sign language interpreters and we need large print uh, screens or whatever else and this and that and buddies for all the kids. Nobody can do all that at once. And so don't beat yourself up by thinking there's so much to do. I can't do any of it. Just do one thing. Maybe your church has eight steps and you'll never be able to become a physically accessible church, but maybe you live near a group, the church is near a group home. Can you invite those people who are ambulatory to come to church and do that? Or look for just the one thing you can start with and Mm -hmm. let God develop it over time if he wants to, but yeah, you can't do it all and that's okay. Yes. Yes. Like everything, start with the low hanging fruit. Mm. Start with the easiest thing to do. And let the Lord build from there. Yes. And in case you're wondering, but why should I be motivated to do this? Jerry often likes to tell people, disability is the only open-ended minority that we know of. 
you don't have to be born with a disability, but we're all one breath away from becoming disabled, with, mm. whether it's an accident or an illness or whatever. And I'm not saying that to discourage you, but I say that to take the line from the, is it the Field of Dreams movie? Yes. If you build it, they will come. Yes. You don't know that what you're doing to build disability ministry into your church might not be what you or a loved member of your family is going to need at some point in the future. So if you can't be motivated because of God's love for the other person, at least be motivated because you may need it at some point and go ahead and get it started. Right. Agreed. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. That's good. Too. Good. Okay. Yeah. I think that that's a good, um, that's a good way to look at any kind of, um, ministry. I mean, definitely disability ministry, but any kind of loving people, I think there is a, there is a temptation. I don't know if temptation is the right word, but it's an overwhelming thought. Like, you know, you hear the statistics of adoption or how many children are orphaned in, you know, millions of children all over the world are orphans or, you know, how many people that are disabled in Los Angeles or, you know, pick a, pick a number. And it's just like, well, I can't do anything because there's no way I'm going to have 3 million orphans in my house. But that, but it's kind of that, that's part of why I love that story about the, you know, sea star that's on the shore and the man comes in. We've all heard that story, but you know, this little boy just tossing one sea star in at a time. And the man says, you're never going to get all these sea stars in there. They're going to die in the sun. Not all of them are going to make it. And he picks up one of the sea stars and says, it matters to this one. And he throws it in the water. And that's how it is. You love people, love people, that one person, that one person is right in front of you. And that matters to that person. So I I think that's such a good point to like pull out of any kind of loving people. But as we're talking about disability ministry, that one person, that's that one family member, that one doctor's appointment, that one meal you make, just do that one thing. And the low hanging fruit, I've never heard that, Jerry. But that is cool too. The I, I borrowed it from a business book somewhere. Well, <laughs> yeah. We're gonna go with it. <laughs> we're going with it. So tell me, um, like websites, tell us your website. Maybe if people are just wanting to start digging around on the internet, sort of more information, give us some of that sort of thing. Okay. Our website is uh Luke, L-U-K-E, and then the number is 1-4, Luke14Exchange.org. Uh, okay. So Luke14Exchange.org. Um, and we, yeah, we invite you to visit there. We've got lots of links and ideas of how to get things started and ways that we can help you through that. Um, in almost every area of the country anymore, thankfully, there are churches and small organizations doing disability ministry. So honestly, Facebook's a great place to find if you, there's um, tons of disability groups there. So if you're looking for something in your geographic area of what's happening in the Fort Knox area of Kentucky for um, people with disabilities, either Google that or put it in Facebook and you're probably gonna find somebody who can connect you. You can always also get back to us and we can help you find through there. Um, there's, wow, there's so many other organizations we can give their websites to, but 
I, I kind of can get overwhelming listening to trying to write down a zillion websites. Yeah, no, this is good. This yours is perfect. I'm just feeling like sometimes I sometimes I listen to podcasts or whatever it is, and I'm like, well, now what do I do? Like, I feel like I need to go somewhere and get online and yeah. figure out what I can do about yeah. this particular thing. So, well, as we've lived around the country and have friends in disability industry all over the country, we really we don't charge for our services at least fourteen exchange and. We are happy to have somebody email us and just say, you know, I live in Alaska and I'm trying to find somebody. I'm not sure I know somebody in Alaska right now. But so if you just want to email us and you can do that through our website to find out, to say, this is my problem. What would you suggest or who can I, who can you recommend? We are very happy to be a connector. Or if you're going to email us directly, directly, you know, it's our first name at loop14.org to Jerry. At Luke 14 or Joan at Luke 14. Exchange. At Luke 14 Exchange. Thank you. Um, you also can find the ministry on, at Luke 14 Exchange on LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay. You can also find us individually on LinkedIn and Facebook. Okay. And we have a Twitter account that I look at about once every decade. Yeah. So, <laughs> Yes, well, yeah, yeah. So Jerry Borton or Joan Morris this Borton. This yeah. person, Jerry at Luke Jerry, okay, yeah, 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 for the email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. B-O-R-T-O-N, Borton. Yeah. Yes. Great. Perfect. Right. Okay, excellent. Well, oh, what a great conversation. This is wow. wonderful. Thank you. I love those carport conversations with you. The stories from the DRV is great. Right? I love it. If we had a carport, we don't have a carport right now. So. Oh, <laughs> but thank you for being my guest on our stories from the BRV podcast. And I'm looking forward to all the people that are going to jump on your website and just get some information yeah. and lots of the people that are in and, the middle of it. And we'll love publishing your podcast once you're. Love it. Thank you for listening to this conversation from the BRV. We hope you enjoyed the discussion and that it inspires you to live out your own brave story.